During the last 20 or so years, maybe 25 years, I've devoted myself to laying bare the advance of the kingdom of God and to show forth uh, the, the episodes of God's power and glory, uh, his presence on earth and the things that he has done in times past. And as I've researched this area of research, I've discovered that there has been over the years a great deal of fog that has hidden that aspect of our history from view. And of course, if the biblical idea of one kingdom replacing another kingdom, if that's right, and we do have a satanic kingdom that Jesus is coming to replace, then wouldn't you imagine that Satan would try to cover up the advance of God's kingdom and make us believe that there has been no advance of God's kingdom and God has, has not been a part of history and it's, it's totally a fiction or some, uh, some idea that some Christians might have had, but there's nothing to it. And so I've had to do a good deal of research to, to uncover these episodes and bring them out in my teaching, Glory Through Time. And what I've discovered is that there are four seasons of, uh, shall we say, foggy weather. Uh, in other words, the fog has come in in our past specifically to cover over the uh, great deeds of God. When, when the Israelites uh, passed through their history, you know, going through the wilderness and into the land of Israel and all of the things that happened during the king, uh, kingly reigns and, and right up until the fourth century BC, they were careful to write down the things that God did and preserve the record of that for their children and for their children's children because it was important to them in honoring God that they would show how God had favored them with his presence and power. And there were promises of a kingdom that he was fulfilling by degrees. And so how did he do that? And that's what you get, for example, in Psalm 78. And you get it all, really all through the Old Testament and right on into the New Testament where those Jewish disciples wrote down the Gospels and the book of Acts. And so it's important to record what God did. As soon as you move on to, into the Christian era, all of that disappears. Christians have not had the same interest in recording the great deeds of God throughout our history. Instead, Christians have allowed, or in sometimes, in some cases, have participated and initiated the fog that would actually hide the great deeds of God. And as I've looked at this, I... I've asked myself, well, why would Christians hide the great deeds of God? Well, this is, 
this is how this happens. You know, it's, I believe it's deception. All right, now, so here we get to a first foggy season here, which is going to be in the 6th, 7th, and 8th century, where the Roman Catholic Church is moving west, and they're, um, they're creating a new narrative. It's a narrative about the church. Okay, so now it's the church that's important. It's going to be the glory of the church as distinguished from the glory of God. Now, you might think that the two would be the same, but they're not the same thing. So here, instead of his story, we're going to have church history. And that's going to be a different emphasis in the story. We're not going to emphasize the power and the glory and the presence of God anymore so much as we're going to emphasize the glory of the church, Roman Catholic Church, to, to put it bluntly. So this is what's going to be emphasized in the telling of the story, and the story is going to be changed so that it matches the current narrative which is the takeover of the Roman Catholic Church, the one true church. The emphasis is on church history now. It's not on his story, and that's going to change the way people tell the story of the early years. And so we're not going to see Columba, Patrick. Yeah, Patrick is going to be mentioned, but it's, it's not going to be the same, the same emphasis uh, uh, of what you see in Patrick's actual uh, confessions, the, the testimony that he wrote. Uh, you're not going to see Anthony and Cassian and Germanus and all the things that happened, how they surrendered their lives to God. God used them as vessels of his power in, um, in creating a 250-year narrative of the power and the transforming kingdom of God. No, it's going to be about the Roman Catholic Church from now on. So it's going to be almost like it was all Roman Catholics. And that's how I believe most of us were told at uh, the beginning of our lives that uh, the British Isles received the gospel from the Catholics. Um, and as you look at the real story, that was not the way it happened. And yet, here's a new narrative that's creating a new story. Okay, so now we've had to go back and uncover what the real story was. And it had God and God's presence and power right in the middle of it. And it did not glorify one church or another church. It truly was his story. Do you see the point? Now fast forward into the 16th century, and we're about to get into the 16th century, but where there's going to be another narrative coming in. And one of the main guys that, uh, that is going to be changing the narrative is a guy named John Calvin. John Calvin was possibly the main guy to sort through all of the drivel and um, nonsense that was being put out as Christian doctrine at Avignon. And he was going to sort through all of these in the institutes of the Christian religion and the other writings 
um, of the Reformation, okay? But Calvin was, was a very, very good person to get back to the original message of the Bible. And so one of the statements he made was about the integrity of the Bible. And um, he, he made it sound as though believing in miracles and believing in the mighty deeds of God was not as good as simply taking the Bible that we have in our hands that we can read with our eyes. It's black and white, and there's an integrity in the biblical message, and we're just going to believe that now. And one or two of the statements that he made made it sound like he wasn't interested in uh, believing that God had done anything in the church or anywhere after the Bible came into being, that it was now just the Bible. Whether he intended that to be a doctrine, I don't know. Um, I've read his statements about it, and they are simple statements. You don't get the feeling that it's become a doctrine that he's trying to teach. But after Calvin comes the Calvinists. Calvinists are going to take the teaching of Calvin and work it into a system of teaching, and part of that system is going to be cessationism, a dogma, a doctrine in the church that says... God really didn't do anything of significance, no miracles, no gifts of the Spirit. After the Bible came into being and took shape and form, or after the last apostle died, or, you know, it, it takes different forms, but it means the same thing. Don't look for God to do anything in your life, because God did, he hasn't done anything since he created the Bible. Now it's just the Bible. That's cessationism, and that creates a new narrative, and that's going to create a new story. So the narrative is God didn't do anything after the last apostle died, and it's funny that nobody thought to actually check with history to read the writings of people who lived, you know, during this period of time and see whether God did anything, you know, but... You know, people just wanted to believe whatever John Calvin said, and they created a whole dogma out of this, and um, and and that is going to change the narrative. It's going to 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 put fog, another layer of fog. Okay, you've got the first layer of Roman Catholic fog, and now you've got a second layer of Re Reformation fog. That's going to say God never did anything after the Bible came into being. Speed on into history, into the next, the next foggy weather, and that's going to be when uh, the Western world discovered Aristotle. And Aristotle is a Greek philosopher, but beginning in about the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th century, and right under the 17th, it's going to grow, 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 and it's going to be a trust in the rational mind working through science and refusing to believe anything that can't be proven. And so this is a, a new era of rationalism that's coming through. They're going to try to apply this to God 
and then they're going to finally come up with, in the 18th century, rationalism that leads to deism. Um, there's actually going to be a guy named Edward Gibbon who's going to, to write the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, and he's going to go back and he's going to to actually say that the reason why the Roman Empire collapsed is because of those darn Christians and their useless prayer. Now, if he if he read anything of the of the of the people who were so excited about the changes and the transformations that 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 actually took place. Um, you know, he would never, I mean, the, if, if he had asked Patrick, suppose Patrick had come alive or Columba or any of these guys that we, that we, uh, have studied, they would have been appalled that anybody wrote anything like this. But you see, things are changing. And so this, the narrative has to change and the story has to change out of the narrative. And so leave it to Edward Gibbon to write the story. And uh, out of that, deism is going to come into being. Okay, deism is going to say, well, we really don't have any evidence of God at work in the world, but uh, God, we're, we're willing to admit that God might have created the world. He's the first cause, so uh, he, he might have created a set of natural laws, and we can study those natural laws, and he might have created a set of moral laws, and we can study the moral laws. And so that's what deism is. It still admits that there is a God, but he's not really there for anybody. He just was at the beginning, and that's it. So here's another layer of fog that's going to create the new narrative that's going to change the story. And the story is that, yes, all those stories in the Bible, they're there, but they are a reflection of primitive thinking. And so now we are advanced in our thinking. We've, we're following Aristotle. We're scientific and we're rational and, and the whole human race has moved on. And so God isn't really there and he wasn't back in Bible days either. And it's all a bunch of lies, really. Um, and now we are moving beyond that and we are creating a new, a whole brave new world. And that's uh, another layer of fog, and yet we're not done with fog. And now we're coming to our present secular age, which says God didn't even create anything, and there are no moral laws, and there are no natural laws that God created that reflect God's nature. Uh, we live in a world completely governed by chance. Um, and uh, so that's another layer of fog, and it's going to change the narrative. And uh, you go to any university uh, today or the public school system and the way we tell history simply does not have God in it at all. Um, it, it is as though God never did anything. And so my goal here is to put the God piece back in the picture where it was all along. It is his story. And when we try to tell the story without the God piece in it, we are into deception. We are into a subtle attempt on the part of the enemy to remove the God piece so that we, it's an impression that is created that God has never been there. 
And what a tragic way of looking at our history. So what we want to do, um, especially now, is we're moving towards the Reformation. We want to see what God was doing and how the power and the presence of God is going to continue the narrative that Peter prophesied at the very beginning, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord.